My name is Chris Hopkins, and I'm the Vice President of the Evolution USA Business. Today, I'm joined by an amazing panel to discuss a topic that should be at the forefront of every engineering leader's mind, given the current market dynamics. This topic is how to hire and retain the best engineering talent. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Roger, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Roger Alex Godreau. I am a Vice President of Software Engineering at TripAdvisor. I lead a team of about 140 people focused on our hospitality B2B business, uh, media advertising and marketing technology for all of the TripAdvisor media group. Um, I am passionate about, you know, you know uh, appropriately enough, given this topic, uh, about building and developing teams. Uh, I really like to focus on giving teams the tools and the systems that they need to grow and succeed and be uh, be capable of more, particularly building systems and processes at TripAdvisor that really help support mobility, help support growth, help support education, help support um, excellence on the part of the uh, on the part of the teams. Uh, personally, I, I'm passionate about creative writing. Uh, I'm actually in an MFA program and I plan to retire from software as a novelist uh, at some point in the future. Well, good luck with that, Roger. Um, and uh, moving on to Harish. Thanks, Chris, and uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Harish Parwani. Uh, I'm a VP of Platform Engineering at CarGurus, and uh, my teams run uh, a gamut of uh, automation and platform-related uh, um, teams and organizations for the company. Everything from our developer experience teams to our site reliability, to our platform as a service, to our core infrastructure and systems teams roll up to me. Um, and rightfully so, you know, automation is something that I've been extremely, extremely passionate about. Uh, so I would say I think I'm fortunate enough to have found my niche uh, in terms of what I do from a work perspective. Uh, be it automation around what we do it, how we do it, when we do it, is, is something that I'm truly passionate about. And this goes both in my professional and personal careers. Um, I will go to great lengths to automate things in my personal life also. Uh, sometimes uh, much to, uh, um, you know, uh, criticism from others around me. Uh, but I think this is something I'm really passionate about uh, and I love uh, you know, being in the space. Thanks for that, Harish. Um, moving on to Dan. Yeah. Hi. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me as well. Um, I'm Dan Kisak. I'm VP of Engineering here at DraftKings. Um, I run a group here um, called Sports Intelligence. Um, my group's responsible for the data and systems that power um, all of our sports betting content. Um, in order to develop betting content, you, you have to predict what's going to happen next um, in any sporting event in, in real time and the probabilities of certain things happening. And um, so that's what we do um, using, uh, you know, a combination of um, ML techniques and um, different data science. Um, and um, yeah, I'm also um, just passionate about um, building a productive, effective, well-rounded teams. So very appropriate topic. Um, and, uh, and, and most importantly, um, you know, measuring, uh, measuring the output of those teams and being able to, you know, uh, uh, know that you're, um, you know, you're, you're achieving what you set out to achieve. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Dan. Um, and then finally, Joydeep. Thanks, guys. Uh, glad to be here. So I'm Joydeep. I am part of a company called Akamai based out of Cambridge in Massachusetts. Uh, I act there as the vice president of, of security at technology group in the strategy and operate uh, strategy and operations part. So part of my job is to strategize on product and roadmap and execution 
and also to take care of data engineering. So a big part of my role goes into managing the business based on the data and creating data models and cataloging and stuff like that. So I'm passionate about definitely, you know, to create a data-driven decision culture within the company or within an organization. And uh, the reason I'm here is because, um, you know, um, one thing very close to my heart is to also create a very diverse uh, workforce, uh, both globally and otherwise. So great forum and great topic. Brilliant. Thanks very much for those introduction, guys. And great to have you all with us this afternoon. Um, let's move on to discuss some of the specific questions related to the overarching topic of how to hire and retain the best engineering talent. Dan, you put forward a question that I feel will set the scene perfectly for future discussions this afternoon. So the question itself was, what does top talent mean to you when hiring and what are the most important boxes to tick for any role? So would you like to kick off by sharing your thoughts or set some context to put in this question forward? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, obviously um, a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, a bait for for discussion here. There's no, I don't think, you know, there's a, a ver everyone's got different roles and there's going to be different things you're looking for. So there's obviously no um, no silver bullet there. But um, I think a general, you know, when we discuss top talent here, um, where we're, we're and when we're evaluating uh, candidates for top talent, we're really thinking about. Um, uh, has ha, has this person uh, who we're looking for have have these people um you know ha, have they gone um deep enough in their their field or in their area of expertise that they really understand um broad 360 degree context of of whatever they're working in so um you know if if someone's an expert in a certain technology uh, you know it's a, it's 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 as important to understand like when not to use that technology as it is uh, to understand when to use that technology right um so when we're when when we're talking really when i'm uh when i'm hearing about someone's experience and um i i like to really um uh, feel like the person um you know has uh, gone deep enough that they can uh, they can, you know, use the technology effectively, make good decisions, and they don't just understand um, the tech, but they understand the business context that they've used it in in the past. Um, all those are signs of like someone who's who's really plugged into um, to the business of of where they work. Thanks for that, Dan. Um, good uh, good intel to to set that scene. So, who would like to? pick up the baton and, and give their thoughts on this topic. Uh, Harish? Thanks, Russ. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy to sort of add in, uh, obviously agree with uh, everything uh, Dan mentioned here. For me, there are a couple of things that really, you know, keep candidates standing apart from, from others. So <clears throat> the one thing that I'm always hunting for, and, and it's a very, very important parameter for me when I'm hiring people, is, is what I call the hunger quotient. Um, I don't know if this is a term I've picked out from a book or this is something that uh, just came to my mind, but, but I'm really looking for folks that are hungry. They're, they're, they're hungry to expand their knowledge base. They're hungry to solve problems. They're hungry to upskill themselves as well as bring people with them and upskill folks who they work with across the board, you know, be on their teams, be people who, you know, roll up to them uh, or people they work with, et cetera. So, so to me, that's really important. And I think, you know, some of it goes to like the core values that we as a company also uh, really prescribe to around, you know, being pioneering, being collaborative. Um, so that that hunger quotient is really, really important for me. And 
the second part, which I look for in candidates is honesty. Uh, I know on the basic, you know, level, that's a very, very, you know, simple thing to evaluate. But to me, this is about honesty and working with your teammates, you know, evaluating yourself, um, realizing your own strengths and weaknesses and providing feedback. Um, the one thing that I tell all my reports, you know, what I value, I, I value them for everything they do um, at the company, but I value them the most for giving feedback and pushing back on me. And and I think that honesty in, in work is something that, you know, I consider very, very important. Thanks, Arish. Just um, out of interest, if that hunger um, element is your top priority when hiring, would you compromise in other areas if you felt that you genuinely found that in a particular candidate? Uh, yeah. So I, I, obviously, every situation and every person is different. Um, but for me, you know, if somebody is hungry, they can overcome a number of challenges around, especially around, you know, technical competencies. Um, you know, so would I rather hire somebody who's hungry and pushing to learn new things and push the boundary and, and push the edges on what we do versus somebody who has, you know, a fair amount of depth in an area, but wants to stay in that area? I would probably go for the former. Um, again, you know, this is obviously in a perfect scenario. Uh, every person is, is different. Um, but yeah, for me, that, that hunger quotient is really, really important. Yeah, I agree. Um, Roger, moving on to yourself. Hi, yeah. Uh, reflecting a bit on things that, you know, Dan and Harish both said, um, the the hunger quotient, I, I like that uh, phrasing. I think of it as um, enthusiasm and energy, right? A drive to do more than just what they're asked to do, right? The the pushing at the boundaries, asking questions. I was discussing with a, a member of my team today, a, a person who is not doing that. They're just they're just executing on what they've been handed. And what we really want is someone to look past that. You know, Dan mentioned business, uh, you know, business sense, right? Why am I doing what am I what I'm doing, right? And then to Harisha's point, yet yeah, expecting that. Um, you're coming into a situation, you're being asked to solve a problem. The person asking you to solve the problem doesn't know the answer or they would have solved the problem already, right? So trusting that there's something, you know, being willing to push, being willing to go beyond the boundaries. Um, and I think proactively experimenting, risking, right? Willing to take a chance, assuming, of course, the organization, you know, provides the support there are, you know, some organizations celebrate their ability to experiment, you know, fail fast, fail often, you know, learn from quick experiments and then moving on. I've been in organizations where there was a little less tolerance for that. Um, you know, I like to think that I have built an organization where we, where we embrace that. So someone who has that experimental entrepreneurial spirit, dive into uncertainty, willing to try some things, willing to push, willing to experiment, and then bring that back and iterate and, and help themselves. Harish said it greatly, right, around um, upskilling not only themselves, but also the team, right? When we evaluate people uh, at Twitter, we think about not only what they do, but how they do it. And so that team fit, that willingness to lift the rest of the team, uh, that is an important factor as well. Brilliant. Um, Jody, what, what are your thoughts on this topic? Yeah, so I mean, the good thing of going last is because is the fact that the things you wanted to speak have all have already been spoken about. So, so I'm relieved. But, um, but in a, on a more serious tone, um, I agree with all the points. I think it it makes a lot of sense. So the the way I try to handle that is the following: one, uh, based on the levels we are hiring, right? Like if I'm hiring a staff engineer, then some of the benchmarks vary. Then I'm hiring an a senior or architect or director and stuff like that. But some of the common traits remain constant. Say, for example, you know, um, uh, I, I also like the term the hunger quotient a lot. Uh, we try to do something similar to see the enthusiasm, the passion, and the commitment 
um, believing in the in your stuff. So the spectrum of work is very important. Like what, what are the projects you have done? Have you moved mountains? Uh, that sounds a bit dramatic, but you get the sense. So and the point is that have you kept up with the pace of re-education? Uh, like how often have you sharp? I mean, one of the I think the seventh habit of the seven habits of highly effective people is sharpening the saw. So how often have you sharpened the saw for yourself? Uh, how relevant are you in this industry, which is so fast changing and disruptive? So we definitely test people from that skill set match and their body of work standpoint. Uh, but because we are fast growing and as I mentioned, I'm passionate to create a diverse, like, you know, a, the team should be very diverse, not only how they look and feel, but how they act and behave and how they think. So from an attitude standpoint or, you know, something non, I mean, something intangible, um, I try to measure people in, in seven ways or in seven buckets. Uh, the projects we do and the world we live in, one has to thrive in ambiguity. Like, do you have that? Can you, I mean, have you demonstrated enough kind of evidence that you can thrive in ambiguity and you are not always looking for clear-cut answers or prescriptions? So that's very important for us. Second, I think as Harish also mentioned that, are you valuing the feedback? Do you give feedback? Do you get feedback? Do you improvise and do you help improve others? The third point is then, are you effectively challenging the status quo? Which I think is also a theme being spoken about in this forum. Like, it doesn't matter whom you're talking to. Um, if you are pushing the envelope enough and challenging some of the assumptions and the way we have done things in the past. Fourth part is, which is very important to us is, whatever you do, putting the user first or the customer first, because oftentimes we have been in meetings where there are conflicting viewpoints and stuff like that. If we can simplify our thought, thought and vision that we are here for two things fundamentally. One is to generate value for the customers and to generate value for shareholders. If that two points are amply clear in our minds, then many a decision-making process gets simplified. So do you think in that way? Do you, do you see your product as a product, not as your summer engineering project, but something that would drive some value for the customers and, and the shareholders? And the fifth part is like just doing the right things. Um, that person has to be ethically straight uh, with a lot of integrity. I think honesty was a, a term being mentioned here. And uh, the, the last part is that how, like what kind of empathy do you have? Do you care about your team? Because you know, I strongly believe that unless you have empathy as a quality, you cannot build up good a solution because to my earlier point, if you're putting the customer first, if you don't understand the business problems the customer is facing, how will you even develop a product that makes their lives easier? So, you know, a sense of empathy, both for the team and generally around you, uh, that's something that uh, we try to, to understand, right? So it's a lot of tools and frameworks we have tried to include in the interview process itself. But, you know, it's the assessment of a candidate. It doesn't end only at the interview phase because interview, I'll, I'll give an example on cricket, which probably Harish will understand. Like it's like it's a one day cricket, right? So anything can happen. So, you know, we keep an eye on the candidate till up to six months of being hired, um, right? So we try to, I mean, it's a very subtle an eval framework where we keep an eye on how that person is doing. And then we take some actions, either a corrective or mentoring or whatever. So that's a framework we try to follow. Here. Thanks for that, Joy Deep. It's probably interview process might be more like 2020, maybe than, than one day. Um, but um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yes, even you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Even me, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Lots of uh, good insights there, particularly you managed expectations well with the, uh, I'm agreeing with everybody else's comments uh, before sharing lots of interesting information. So thanks for that, Joy Deep. Um, 
just um, putting my recruiter hat on, um, I've got a follow-up question in terms of um, the common consensus that you're trying to find people that are ultimately hungry and passionate about tech, you know, people where it's not just a day job, it's something that they're um, genuinely passionate about and therefore want to learn and grow and develop, etc. Um, what do you guys feel is the best way to qualify that from a interview process perspective? Because there's lots of companies out there trying to hire people in different ways. Do you feel that you found and, and struck upon an effective way to identify and get those people through a recruitment process relatively quickly? I'll go to Roger first on that um, if I can. Thank you, Chris. Um, so in terms of identifying, you know, finding that, that passion, right? You're, you know, the, that's a big part of the reason we value so much uh, in-person time with someone, right? It's you get a lot of uh, interaction. You get a lot of opportunity to uh, evaluate a person on these dimensions in the way they engage in the conversation, right? In the way they engage in whatever you're asking them to do, the questions they're asked. You know, we talk about behavioral, you know, interviewing, right? Being able to, you know, talking with people about examples of times in the past when they've succeeded or failed, right? When they have uh, embraced uh, a, a challenge or, 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 or not. Uh, and you get a sense of that passion. You get a sense of that engagement. It's one thing for someone to say, yes, I'm passionate. Yes, I'm hungry. It's another for them to show you that passion and hunger in the way they answer your questions as you're talking through the interview. Um, and I think that uh, one way to get at that, so, uh, you know, Jodeep mentioned, right, all the various frameworks and various tools and languages. And, you know, I have a note about how, um, for me, when I'm interviewing an engineer, I'm much more interested in the way they approach a problem, how they think about it, how do they break it down into pieces, right? I will frequently use a problem that you know has you know multiple reasonable answers and may be challenging and ambiguous, and correcting for the nervousness factor, right? I'll evaluate how they engage with that question, right? Do they freeze up with the ambiguity? Do they dive into it? Do they ask me questions? Do they push back on me? Do they you know you know, poke holes in the parts that I deliberately left ambiguous. And so in the end, it's that it's that whole process. How did we go back and forth as just two people in a room talking about a problem? And what uh, did I observe about their passion, about their mindset in the process of doing that? Yeah, interesting. Thanks for that, Roger. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, we yeah, we talked uh, again about that, um, that ambiguity, I think, um, as Roger said, is is super important um, how to, to measure how someone uh, responds in that situation. Um, I almost like to um, do it uh, during the interview process, um, almost you know on their on their own uh, turf, uh, you know, so they kind of have home field advantage there. When just asking them about a project uh, that they've worked on, and um, you know, when we're looking, you're looking at a top tier, a top tier um, candidate. You know, not not only will they they'll talk about you know the aspects of it. Um, they'll talk about the aspects of of the project that went well or didn't went well uh, didn't go well. Um, they'll uh, they'll talk about the business context. Uh, they'll talk about why this project was important. They can answer those questions. Why was this important to the business? Um, why um, uh, it, when you throw them a curveball to say, well, uh, you know, did you think about using this technology? Uh, they're able to uh, you know answer that question and and you know if they have some familiarity say well um, we could have but uh, this is why we chose the direction we chose so um, I think it's important to keep you know to to again in in uh, in a way have um, keep a candidate on their toes and and kind of you know throw them curveballs and and see how they respond perfect thanks for that Dan um, Joy Deep um, 
what would you like to add? Yeah, so besides the point mentioned, I think, you know, uh, over the years we have created some processes uh, to manage the interview a process which is very transparent and respectful even to the candidates. Uh, like candidate, a management process is a big thing here, starting with how we engage with them, how we, you know, we show up on the interviews on time. Now, they may, now these things may appear very simple, but it does impress the candidate about the kind of company he or she is being interviewed into. So that is one big part in our talent hunt, number one. Number two, um, we constantly review and revise the composition strategies in specific geos, in specific roles by doing benchmarking to make sure that we are not losing top talent because of, of you know, any, any competing offers, um, be it a startup, which can be quite a disruptor in many countries, be it any big players there. Um, and then um, something we started last year, which is going very well uh, and people appreciate a lot, is that meet and greet with the team and in the interview process itself. So we do two things. One is that if we are hiring for a role, um, we make one person who had played that role some time back talk to the candidate, not as an interview, but as a conversation and paint a career, a progression journey that, okay, I, I was in this role, the, the role that you were being interviewed for three years back, and now I've moved around just to show the candidate that we take career mobility and progression very seriously. And this candidate will have, you know, a, a lot of avenues if they join us. The other thing we do, as I mentioned, is meet the team where uh, a big part of the team, maybe five, six folks, they would have a, a a call or meeting with the candidate and they would explain from their lens, you know, the mission of the team, the vision of the team, the culture of the team, what we do, what we don't do, what is our role in the ecosystem, how is the culture and stuff like that. So it's kind of peer to peer. Um, it's not that a recruiter is trying to oversell a role or I'm trying to oversell a role. It's that it's part of a team. So those strategies um, have worked well, not only in attracting a talent, uh, but I think it's going to go into your next question, like how do we retain the talent? Because we try to manage the expectations um, from early on. Now we were not perfect. We are not a perfect even now. So we are kind of changing the strategies and tools and everything we do as we go on, because obviously attracting and retaining talent uh, and engineering talent, and even there, the security talent is not easy in this market. So any any creativity is welcome here. Yeah, Roger, um, get some thoughts from you. And then we're kind of, we've started to segue into the next component of the, the conversation naturally, which is good. So we'll just formalize that once you've shared your thoughts. Great, yeah, I just wanted to you know, follow up on something that Jaydeep said, he uh, inspired me to comment on how for us, uh, the positive experience of the candidate during the interview process is is paramount. It doesn't matter what the end result is, whether we choose to hire someone or not, in whether they choose to accept our offer or not. You know, it's important to us that they have a very positive experience because, you know, as Jody mentioned, just showing up on time for the interview, right? Being considerate of their needs, having a you know a positive experience because whatever they decide to do, they go away from that with a view to your company, to a view to your culture, right? And if they have have a good experience there they can expect a good experience later and if they don't they're going to tell their friends what kind of experience they had right and so you, you know it's, it's an important part of related to your reputation related to your culture and how the the uh, you know the engineering talent sees you right that's that's one uh, one way to make sure that there's a positive view of your company out there yeah couldn't agree more with with that comment um Unfortunately, bad news travels about 10 times faster than, than positive news as well. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, very important to make sure that irrespective of what the outcome is of that interview process, the candidate has a, a very positive experience through, um, 
through from A to B, whatever whatever B is. Um, so, as I said, we'll move on to uh, the second question that we're going to talk about today. So, if we split this topic up into two components, we have the first part, which is hiring the best talent, and the second part is is retaining the best talent. So, we'll deal with the first of those components now with a question that uh, Roger put forward, which was, uh, what strategies have you adopted to compete against other tech firms to attract top talent? So again, could you set the scene for us with this one and we'll take things from there, Roger? Uh, yeah, sure thing. So, uh, you know, as I'm sure, you know, we're all dealing with the same thing, stories uh, like uh, Amazon doubling or nearly doubling their maximum base salary and Microsoft doubling their budget for uh, annual compensation adjustments. And we hear about the crazy uh, offers that uh, people are getting from competing firms, uh, sort of crazy from my perspective anyway. Uh, we've had to think about how can we compete effectively for the same engineers, right? We are looking to hire engineers that could go work at Facebook, at Netflix, right? At Amazon, at Apple, and we're looking for that same caliber. So how do we get them to choose us over someone else where they could maybe go and be, you know, may have a, you know, a 10, 20, you know, 30% higher base salary. Uh, it's definitely been challenging. And so we have been talking about, you, you know, of course, there's extrinsic versus intrinsic rewards. We talk about a lot, right? In compensation for, for engineers. And so we, we have to really hit on all of the things that aren't money, uh, you know, when we're talking with candidates. So from, uh, you know, there are some things we'll talk a little bit later around ED&I, uh, but from starting by crafting the interview panel to help make the candidate comfortable, right? Is there someone on the panel who looks like them so they know that there are, you know, they're, they're, that we care about their, their comfort there? Uh, talking about the mission of the company, you know, why do we, why are we passionate about travel? Why do we do what we do? What social good do we see it having? So we attract people who want to do that type of work that's, that have that sort of impact. Um, we talk about uh, a long-term focus, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of compensation package comparisons, you know, sort of, you know, of, you know, big companies, they dump a ton of equity on a candidate, right, right out of the gate. And so they look at the TripAdvisor package and they're like, well, this is a little different. So we have to talk about how our compensation, our equity package is structured to really uh, optimize for the long term, uh, you know, and try to keep people, you know, in, you know, in once they're in the door, uh, engaged and uh, invested in the long term success. And we talk a lot about culture, right? Culture is key. We are. Um, we 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 are very much uh, as they say a family, but you know, we work very hard on creating very positive, very engaging, and supportive environments where people genuinely just really enjoy working together, really enjoy the opportunities, really enjoy growth, really enjoy the flexibility, um, and the voice that everybody gets. Um, I work very hard at pushing autonomy out to the edges of the graph, right? I really want to build teams that are capable of being given a mission and being trusted to run with it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of companies where that we talk, they talk about that trust, but maybe it's not quite there. Uh, and I'm not saying we're perfect at it by any stretch. You know, we have definitely been working on building in that direction. And so giving people a place that they really, really want to work. Um, and that often can offset some uh, element of the compensation uh, difference. And then, of course, we push as hard as we can on the comp to get as close as possible to the competition. Um, I'll stop there. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Roger. Um, good uh, comments to set the scene. Moving on to Harish, um, what are your thoughts on this topic from a personal or a car guru's perspective? 
Yeah, yeah, Chris, I want to echo a few of the things Roger said and, and double down uh, on a couple others. So obviously we try to be extremely competitive uh, with everybody in the market. Um, you know, CarGurus has been known to uh, regularly review and benchmark, you know, compensation policies. I've, I've been at the company about a year and a half and I've seen uh, several rounds of reviews, et cetera. And just to make sure, you know, we're paying people fairly, both, you know, folks who are still, you know, who are here as well as attracting new talent across the board. Uh, again, so, you know, compensation, a solid benefits package, uh, those, those things go um, without saying, but I want to double down on some of the cultural stuff um, that we have. Like we especially uh, really focus and pride ourselves on some of our diversity efforts. And I know we'll be talking a lot about it, but with our employee resource groups uh, that we have, we've got about six different employee resource groups. Each of them have multiple levels of sponsors between our executive team and our senior leadership teams, et cetera. And I think that's really uh, a big part of the glue that that attracts uh, a lot of talent to us. You know, um, one of the things we really pride ourselves on uh, as a company is also giving back to society, not just with, you know, some of the philanthropy work we do, but we've got a big initiative around giving back to the tech community. Um, I mean, we're, we're all in the tech community. Um, all of us in some way or form use open source tools. Uh, so we actually have a very interesting initiative, which I've never seen any other company I've worked with have where Car Gurus lets its employees every year choose a bunch of different open source foundations to donate to. Uh, and we, you know, put some of our philanthropy dollars into those organizations. So for example, this year, uh, Rust Foundation was one of the areas where we donated to. In the past, we've donated to uh, Apache Foundation, we've donated to the CNCF, et cetera. I think those are some of the things that, that have really worked well for us and have given us a lot of brand equity, you know, uh, among sort of tech talent because they recognize that, okay, this is not just a company that's using uh, open source tooling, but it's actively involved in contributing both in terms of you know, people's contributions, us, you know, contributing code back as well as, you know, putting our money where our mouths are. That's great. I love, I love the concept of giving back to the communities in, in which you, you operate in. Um, Dan, um, what are your thoughts on, on on this topic? Yeah, obviously, um, first and I mean, you know, as everyone said, I'll I'll repeat. First and foremost, it is is comp where you have to be competitive. I mean, that's sort of uh, table stakes here, and um, you know, we do uh, we, we do try to be competitive in that space, and um, uh, you know, with the competitive um, equity packages as well. Um, so that's, you know, off the top, you sort of have to, in order to attract top tier talent, you have to, you have to pay, um, at that level, I think. Um, but as, uh, as everyone, uh, alluded to, you know, beyond that, it comes down to, to culture and culture is super important and it's probably an over, you know, overused, um, phrase in, in some places, but, um, but, you know, it's really getting down to, um, how, what this person can expect day in and day out and how you convey that to them um for uh for us um we talk a lot about um uh i think what jody brought up about pairing them with someone uh who has been in that role is um is is uh super um, effective um because we talk a lot about career opportunities um we talk a lot about uh the hyper growth of uh you know, our company, um, personally, I talk about, you know, I talk about myself. I, I started at DraftKings as a, a senior software engineer um, on one of our teams. And um, 
and uh, you know the the we're in a hyper growth industry where um, you know the next line of business um, that could double the size of the company is is you know always just around the corner. So um, for uh, for someone coming in, we we really like to you know point out that um, you know they're taking a role now. Um, we we hire people because we think they have a lot of potential for all the reasons we talked about. And um, that's, you know, that's not necessarily going to be their role for long, um, because if they, you know, if they're interested in different technologies, if they're interested in different um, in different types of uh, products that we offer, um, there'll be opportunities for them to jump into those. Um, and uh, I think the other thing we, we really lean on um, is just the is the excitement um, of the workplace. Uh, work in a very uh, fast-paced environment. Everybody here um, has, uh, you know, works in in products that are, um, you know, uh, consumer-facing or or at least very, um, you know, supporting con- a lot of consumer products. Um, and uh, we we really, you know, we uh, we're looking for someone who thrives in that excitement. Um, so we really do like to sell, you know, the excitement of, uh, you know, everyone in the office. Uh, you know, in two weeks for that opening, three weeks for that um, opening Sunday uh, of the NFL season. And, um, you know, the excitement of it, um, how uh, everyone gets together. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just as exciting here as I think it is in some of the stadiums for for those opening night uh, games. So, um, you know, you don't have to be a sports fan uh, to, to, to be excited about the pace and um, the excitement that you know, just being in the sports uh, technology industry would bring. Thanks for that, Dan. Yeah, I think the um, getting different people at different levels of seniority involved in an interview process, whether it be from an informal or formal capacity, is 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 important. I think you know thinking about the relatability of 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 those individuals to the person that's coming through the door, and and trying to find a, a strong alignment there can really help in terms of getting that person's buy-in. To, to to your culture and how the company operates because um you know it, it it doesn't probably affect that person too much whether the, the the person joins the team or not um so people's perception can sometimes be a little bit different to what they hear from those individuals um joy Deep, we haven't heard from yourself on this topic um i'm conscious i said i wouldn't, I wouldn't come to you last again but i i've I, <laughs> I have, sorry. Kind of similar. No, it's fine. It's kind of similar. I mean, a composition is paramount, especially to attract the talent. Uh, And then, as I mentioned, uh, we we, we try to give them a sneak peek into their culture, what they're going to expect from a a mobility standpoint, from a career standpoint and stuff like that. Um, uh, One of the the other things which we do, I think it was mentioned in this forum as well, it's about some of the values that the company believes in. Like, what is the company doing in sustainability? What is the company doing from giving back to, to society standpoint? So, because we increasingly find that today's tech talent, you are you are um, like you know, some people feel very strongly behind these causes, and we have seen that for many people, um, they want to understand you know, what is the company's value system, not only a team culture, but what does the company stand for on these issues um, could be a deciding factor if they want to join us because they want to make sure that their values align with the values of the company. It's not only a team culture and career, but will they be able to make an improvement on the carbon footprint and stuff like that? So uh, based on what we are hearing and seeing, we are trying to make sure that we are as transparent as possible 
with the candidate base besides compensation and culture and, and, and all the things that we talked about. And Thanks, one, one, one of the things you um, you you mentioned there, Chris, um, I, I do think, uh, you know, having um, actually try to get on one of the very early calls um, with candidates, especially for really critical, um, really critical roles and be, you know, be that first voice um, that they talk to. And I think, um, you know, rather than going through multiple interviews with um, with recruitment first um, before you really get to talk to engineers or, or senior leaders of the company, um, having that first kind of touch base be with um, some of the some of the leadership, I think, is set really just sets the tone and gets a lot of those questions out of the way for that candidate, and you know makes them feel like um, the the role is um, you know valued. Absolutely, I think you know the reality is that any good <clears throat> software data engineer in the market today is going to have multiple options available to them so you know peak you know getting that interest level up early in the process is it then becomes easier to maintain that candidate to to hopefully offer stage as opposed to the candidate being more susceptible to take another offer um ultimately so 100% agree with you there dan um Good. Any other comments on the attraction of top talent before we move on to retention? The other thing I'll just say, um, the or organization around the the process, I think, was mentioned a few times from being on time. Um, uh, as you said, you know, you're dealing with candidates who have probably have multiple interviews in flight. So, um, uh, you know, having it on time, having the process be be efficient. Um, getting an answer, you know, turned around quickly. Um, it being a, if it is someone you're going to offer with, getting that offer out there quickly. Um, the process is just so important today um, that it's it's just worth worth the investment to make sure it's super efficient. A hundred percent. So now we've discussed, as I said, the onboarding or hiring of, of tech talent. Um, let's talk about retention. So uh, this question was put forward by Harish, which was. Um, what are some of the tools in your arsenal to retain the best talent at your company? So again, Harish, do you want to set the scene for us all? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Um, so a, a lot of the tools, uh, you know, uh, that, that we use, you know, both me personally and Carl Gurus as a company um, are, are similar between, you know, uh, what we use to attract people and retain people, right? Some of the things are common around compensation, benefits, et cetera. I've got a couple of... Um, key interesting things that, that I feel really, really help attract uh, and, and retain the best talent at the company. Um, the most important for me is you know, getting the purpose and, and ensuring people understand the why behind what they're doing. It's especially important in an organization like mine. Uh, so I run platform engineering, which is a little removed from some of the consumer facing um, teams um, <clears throat> that are there within the company. So it's really important for us to be able to double down and make sure that, you know, the, the talent employees we have understand the why behind what they're doing. Right? They have to, you know, both understand why we're doing it as well as sort of feel uh, a, a sense of purpose uh, in what we're doing, um, you know, both individually as well as collectively as a team, as a company. So to me, that's that's a that's been a real key differentiator in attracting the talent, making sure people are bought in um, and they're contributing to the why, uh, right? Helping drive that strategy, you know, from from not just a top down but a bottom up approach also. Uh, and then we've got a couple of things that are a little more tactical, but have really helped us retain some of the best engineering talent. I feel we have a we have an engineering rotational program for our engineers at, at Car Gurus, which allows 
engineers to rotate within a different group for a quarter and then come back to their sort of home team. And I think this has been a great tool for us to spread knowledge within the company, get people excited, allow our engineers to, you know, both learn a, a new skill set as well as sort of learn new uh, tricks, tips, techniques, processes uh, that the other team that they're going to rotate with functions in, as well as teach them about what they've done in the past. Uh, so from a tactical perspective, some of those things have been uh, really important for us. But from a more strategic perspective, it's definitely been, if I were to hit on that one thing, it's 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 the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing uh, and the sense of purpose around it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for setting the scene and sharing some insights into what CarGurus do from a retention perspective, Harish, um, who would like to pick up the baton from there? Jody, brilliant. So, <laughs> Go next. Uh, so um, we have a mechanism to identify the top talent once hired, <clears throat> like there are some benchmarks and stuff like that. And once we kind of, um, we do that, that process, um, we try to, you know, create an action plan for each of those a critical talent, the way we call that, uh, which means that, you know, we may pull them into some projects just beyond their day jobs, right? Like, you know, you put them into some cross-functional projects uh, with other teams to solve some business problems just beyond their own product lines to create a diversified force. We also have the, you know, uh, the program that Harish mentioned about, we call it cross-pollination, where one team member can go and work in some other teams and, you know, just to get that that, that exposure. I think that is very helpful. Um, from a cultural standpoint, um, it doesn't only apply for top talent, but across the board. We are trying and trying very hard to create an environment of psychological safety, where means that an employee can speak up and speak up their mind uh, in a civil way, not in not like a mutiny, but still, like it should be, they should be able to speak up what they're thinking about, what they agree with, and and what they don't agree with. Uh, it it also goes, you know, hand in hand with creating an inclusive kind of a workplace. Um, rewards and recognition. Are very conscious about that, and more for a recognition than a reward, uh, because, you know, uh, even if you can call out a person by name, say for example, in in a company, all hands for a job well done. Sometimes it is worth more than, you know, a hundred dollars of Amazon card or as a reward, right? So um, we are trying to kind of cater to the needs of the employees. Now, one particular tool that um, I use in my own team, because A, it's quite simple to use, is that what we call as a psychological needs of a person. Now, there are multiple models out there. Um, the model that I use is that I try to understand each person so in my team and either try to bracket them in, in three in th uh, categories. One is that some people will have a need for achievement. And typically these people will want to, you know, be part of good projects. Like they want to do something meaningful and transformational and stuff like that. Like that's the hunger in them, right? So we identify people like who have who fall in that bracket, a need for achievement. The second type of people we are we identify is people who have a need for affiliation. Like they want to be in projects with good people. So they are much more personable, right? So that is what kind of keeps them engaged. And then the third category of people is need for power. They want visibility. Like they would want to present a business plan in front of an EVP just to get that that exposure. So we try and and it's not, I mean, some people may express a hybrid kind of a need, like all three or something of that sort. So this is very simple to implement and um, not very complex, but that helps me to identify, you know, what is the, the retention lever behind each individual, right? 
And assuming that compensation and culture, all those things are remaining equal, this is kind of an added identification and retention strategy that I have used. And so far, it's it's going okay. So, you know, we can appreciate a person based on their needs, provided we can give that person that. Yeah, good to hear. I think that the tactics or the strategies need to apply at a company and a individual level. Um, so, yeah, good to good to see that. Joy Deep. Uh, Dan, what uh, thoughts do you have on this topic? Yeah, um, certainly the um, uh, we use the um, temporary rotation um, and specifically targeting that across um, to different skill sets. So um, uh, having someone do a rotate, you know, a, a, a software, um, a, you know, API developer um, doing a, some time in infrastructure, um, or uh, you know, or on a front end application, or um, and and just to broaden their skill set and also um, build relationships um, with folks across the the business um, in different areas, um, and that that kind of serves uh, at a retention level. Um, it just you know, especially in the remote uh, you know remote work culture or hybrid work culture that we're in, um, the more relationships that someone has across the business, not just within their team, but across other parts of the business. I think, um, you know, the more, the the higher retention, uh, we've seen that both empirically and um, and just anecdotally. Um, uh, so I think those are important, um, but we, I think it's also important to, uh, if you, you know, since we do have multiple lines of business um, to just do rotation programs where we are, um, you know, taking someone who's been, uh, you know, a, a great performer in um, in their line of business, and you might uh, it might hurt a little bit in the short term to to move them out and move them to a completely different product. Um, but I think for, again for retention, for robustness of that person, and to just spread the culture, spread the best practices across the company. Um, you know, you do we do those permanent um, those permanent moves, um, and that. That especially has been effective um, for us uh, retention-wise when there's um, whole new teams spinning up, um, really looking to uh, sell divide and and really uh, bootstrap those teams uh, mostly with internal uh, folks who um, show a lot of potential um, and are you know we talked about the hunger off the top um, and and show that you know hunger to to do something new. Um, those are great candidates for for uh, you know throwing at completely new um, uh, opportunities and lines of business. Yeah, good to see that internal mobility working from a short term, but uh, also a longer term or straight permanent basis. Um, Roger, moving on to yourself. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, as Dan mentioned, right, culture may be an overused label, but uh, you know, a lot of what we do can, I think, be put under that label. Uh, we talked about how culture is an important differentiator when trying to attract talent. I would argue it's even more important with retention. You know, I've talked with my team about how often retention is how you get people to stay once you've got them, you know, in the door. So uh, everything related to, you know, ranging from, you know, the employee resource groups that we have here, similar to what, uh, you know, Harish mentioned, you know, our celebrations of diversity. We have this bring your all program where we, you know, encourage people to you know, be their full selves at work and, and we celebrate that and we make it a safe place, you know, along the lines of what Jodeep was mentioning. Um, we talk about the, the intrinsic rewards of engaging work, impactful projects, really connecting people to the why, right? The business impact a couple of folks have mentioned. Um, so at the risk of reiterating everything that everybody has already said, um, I'll just add a couple of other things for us. 
the relationship between a manager and an engineer is uh, an absolutely critical one. And you, know, if you talk to anybody who was a TripAdvisor a couple of years ago, they would tell you that this was an environment of constant change. Um, and one of the things we've been working on over the last couple of years is moving away from a a willingness to just sort of tear, you know, kind of break teams apart and restructure them and move people around every quarter, or unless we have people who comment about they've had more managers than years of service with the company. And this is uh, something we've been fighting against over the last couple of years and thinking about squads as atomic units of allocation, right? We move away from the idea that people can be moving wherever, you know, that, that we will move people based on business needs. Instead, we'll move work to people. So we keep the teams intact. We give people the opportunity to work with the same manager, work with the same engineer, uh, same uh, peer engineers for a long time to really develop those relationships uh, that then make it a more uh, richer experience, make it more rewarding to be there. Um, and the manager and the individual contributor over time, they develop a real, uh, a, a deep relationship. The manager genuinely cares about the uh, engineer's growth and success. Um, and I say engineer manager, uh, but you know that obviously it goes up uh, up the chain as you get to, to layers of management. And so focusing on that interpersonal relationship, focusing on the importance of growth, focusing on um, an individual's desire for uh, for success uh, and that stability, you know, in the face of other change. Being flexible to the degree necessary, but really um, fighting against what was in the past at TripAdvisor, uh, you know, uh, a willy-nilly sort of frequency of change has been has been very important. Has been very impactful for us. Yeah, good to hear. I think there's different ways to to cut the cake and um, ensure people remain engaged. I think the kind of uh, the key thing is to kind of mix things up, you know, for that that person um, from time to time to keep them learning and keep them, as I said, engaged. So thanks for your comments there, guys. Let's move on to the final um, subtopic for today, which was a question again put forward by Roger, um, which is how do ED and I goals impact your recruiting? Um, and are, the, are you involved in activities intended to make the software engineering candidate pool more diverse? So um, over to you, Roger, to set the scene for this one. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Deep mentioned that this is an area of particular passion for him, so I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, you know, what he has to say. I mean, all of you, of course, I'm interested to hear what you all have to say. Um, but we've had conversations internally about our diversity goals, and we've had some healthy debate about the degree to which the our diversity goals should impact our our recruiting and and hiring decision processes, right? You know, we've definitely heard uh, horror stories of people being uh, hired or not hired purely for diversity uh, attributes, and that's obviously not what we want to do. Uh, we want to create an environment where the candidate pool is as diverse as you know the as the as the country may be, and thus give all uh, give everybody the opportunity to sort of compete on uh, on other uh, on other aspects to um, come in to an environment where the various diversity uh, attributes are are celebrated and embraced. Um, the one thing we found, so uh, while working through how do we engage this in a way that is healthy and constructive, um, we were reviewing our diversity statistics and found, for example, that um, our team was 15% women. Uh, and we sort of said, well, what can we do to to change that? And as part of the conversation, one of my peers went out and said, well, when you look at the numbers, only 20% of computer science graduates are women. So fundamentally, right, yes, the world is 50-50 or 51-49. Uh, so 50-50, and so uh, on the one level, we may say, 
we would like our engineering team to be 50% women, but then the challenge is, well, how do you achieve that when only 20% of computer science graduates are women? And so the conversation became about, well, how do we change that point, right? What can we do? And we've started talking about getting involved in um, programs to really drive, um, you know, computer science interest among uh, people at high school level, at grade school level, and I know that there are programs out there. Uh, and the interesting challenge about that is that uh, those programs will not have short-term impact on our diversity goals, right? It's an investment to you know, what was said earlier about giving back to the community. Being involved in those sorts of programs is about investing in the future of computer science, you know, in the future of software development in a way that my company may not immediately realize any benefit from, but I'm thinking five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, how do my company and other companies in the area benefit from a more diverse candidate pool and how can I make that happen? Cool. Thanks. Uh... For that, Roger. Um, Dan, I know that uh, this topic's um, fairly hot at the moment within DraftKings. What uh, What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I um, I think, uh, as you said, and as uh, as Roger sort of um, uh, went through, uh, the most important thing is um, is just diversifying that candidate pool. And as um, as a hiring manager, you know when um, when uh candidates are when the the market is um extremely competitive um sometimes it takes a little longer to fill uh, to fill that candidate pool with diverse candidates and um i think part of that is us as um, technology leaders to be um to be willing to uh you know be patient to make sure uh and you know the the first batch of candidates, uh, you know, comes in, um, and and like you're evaluating for any skill set, if you jump, uh, if you jump at the first candidate who, um, you know, looks like they might uh, tick most of the boxes, um, you might be missing out on something something great if you're a little more patient. So I think it it goes um, the, the same thing for for diverse candidates, which is, um, you know, put putting uh, putting more pressure on. Um, you know the 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 talent acquisition team, which also you know here at DraftKings is it's very uh, very important to them. So they're they're doing a fantastic job filling those um, candidate pools with diverse candidates. Um, but uh, but you know where where it's highly competitive, we we have locations all over the world. We have offices all over the world, and um, in some uh, some of our geographic locations, uh, it's 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 even. Uh, the picture is even um, more weighted to one side than what Roger uh, pointed out. So you really have to be patient to, if you if you hope to um, uh, land some diverse candidates. So um, I think that's kind of uh, the the key for us as the as the hiring managers and as the engineering leaders. Thanks, Dan. Um, Harish, uh, what are your thoughts on this side of things? Yeah. So I I love both the points that uh, you know Roger and Dan made and. You know, especially around increasing uh, the pool of diverse candidates. So we've been doing a bunch of things that have really worked well for Cargo's uh, over the years. So we've partnered with a couple of organizations in the Boston area. Uh, two of them are Europe and Brazilian coders, whose whose mantra and his goal is to bring more diverse candidates into the engineering pool. Um, we're also working with uh, a local program, and we're we're based in Cambridge. Uh, right outside Boston and Cambridge Public Schools have a STEAM program where um, it allows students to come spend some time with engineers and engineering leaders at the company. So we're, we're you know, we're really proud to be a participant in that program where we spend time with students, you know, getting them excited about careers uh, 
in technology uh, and related fields. Uh, and, and I've been a firm believer that diversity attracts diversity. Um, so I think, yes, you have you have to absolutely invest and thoughtfully invest um, you know, in ensuring that you have a diverse uh, uh, employee base. And, and that itself is going to bring more diversity and, and attract you know, similar talent to you. So, you know, yes, if you're a new company or you're starting from scratch, it's going to take you a little longer to get there. But once you have that, like it's it's going to attract folks and, and you'll have a lot more incoming uh, versus having to proactively just go and like seek uh, diverse candidates. Yeah, it's good to see yourselves and TripAdvisor looking at this as a, a medium to long term issue as well and trying to solve issues at source to, to increase that kind of talent pool coming through. Which is great, um, Joydeep. What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so first of all, um, you know, uh, we are not only thinking of increasing the diversity quotient in the states, but uh, the way we are trying to fix this is to diversify even the locations. Um, so we are um, creating a lot of focus on countries like Israel. We are exploring Spain. We are exploring Ireland now uh, to make these as the secondary hubs of engineering excellence. So in that way also we are creating diverse kind of a workforce. Um, and so that's the first step. The second step is that, and Roger is absolutely right, even if you want it's for certain roles, it's difficult to create a diversity in, in a geography. So say for example, in the engineering a group, there are definitely a programmers and architects and stuff like that. Um, but then um, you have business system analysts, you have program managers, you have certain QA or testers. So it's not so difficult to get diversity of candidate on those roles, right? Um, so we are trying to create a targeted kind of a roadmap for specific roles where we can create without compromising on the quality of the talent we hire. Um, that has worked for us. Uh, some of the things we are doing that Harish and Roger also mentioned, which is how do you in the long term even increase the pool, right? So there are two things. We are investing a lot of money in your corporate social projects by partnering with local schools and giving them training like code jams. Recently, Akamai did about $1 million contest. So we invited people outside of the company from the society to come and present their ideas. And then we kind of gave them um, you know, some funds. Um, we, are, we are investing a lot of money in the interns program. So they come and work for us for six months. And, and then if they like it, then and, in, and if we like them, we hire them for the next year. Um, uh, however, I think I want to mention that diversity is definitely one part of the challenge. Uh, but the part that we are also focusing on is inclusivity or inclusion. Uh, because diversity, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it or, or make it look casual, but you can solve it by meeting some a metric that okay male female a ratio or you hire people from different racial backgrounds and stuff like that the true test is that have you been able to create an inclusive a workforce on top of being a diverse force right so the way i see this is that diversity for me is that i mean to have a seat at the table that's the first step and a very important step. Inclusion is one step ahead is that do they have a voice at the table? So there, as I mentioned in my earlier comments, that a psychological safety is very important. So our job, it doesn't end at just hiring, you know, 15 female candidates for, for, for a role. Are we including them in the decision-making process? Are we keeping proper attention for the pay parity? Um, are we paying proper attention to making sure that their, their progression of careers and whatever they need, right? Like maybe they need more work-life balance or a more flexi hours and stuff like that. So being being empathetic towards those needs and, and you know, uh, to recognize those. I think that is 
probably the tougher part. How do you be more inclusive? And as far as I can think, there is no proper metric which makes it even harder, right? It's it's all feeling about inclusivity. Diversity can still be measured with some KPIs and stuff like that. So that is a maturity journey we are on. It's not easy. We are trying that. Yeah, interesting comments. I think the um, uh, it's, it's 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 good. The the E sits before the D and the I. You know, with the with the equality. Then the diversity and the inclusion can follow. Um, who would else? Who else would like to add some further comments to this topic before we wrap things up today? Uh, Roger, I think you were hands up first. Uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, just following up on on what Jodeep said about um, you know inclusion. Uh, that is, uh, you know, I like the way you said it, uh, Jodeep. Where you know we're on this maturity journey, right? About getting better about all of these. The same is true at TripAdvisor, and we have a number of training programs for for people at every level about how to think more inclusively how to lead teams more inclusively how to how to be more inclusive uh, we have employee resource groups across you know a number of diversity dimensions that get funding from uh from TripAdvisor to engage in various activities and to celebrate uh those individual cultures giving them as you said like a voice at the table uh you know it's about um making sure that everybody on a team has the opportunity to contribute to the decisions that that team makes right that uh you know sort of breaking down any any real or perceived barriers or biases and we talk a lot about uh we do a lot of time um introspecting uh, our interactions with each other, with other teams, with candidates, you know, and um, retrospecting on was there bias, you know, in a particular interaction or a particular discussion, a particular decision, and if so, how do we make sure we don't repeat that bias? How do we continue to work at getting away from it? So we're we're trying to be very open, very vulnerable with each other, and honest yeah. that this is not anything we're expert at but we're working on getting better at it. Yeah, good to hear. Um, Harish, um, some thoughts from you? Yeah, I, I love the uh, the statements, Jaydeep, you, you made, and I want to take it maybe a step further. Like one of the things we look at, so not just diversity, um, you know, equity and inclusiveness, but also belonging, right? You know, are these things coming together so that, you know, our, our employees feel that they belong here? And and to me, that's been a fantastic eye-opener, you know, similar to what, what Roger said with, some of the employee resource groups we have, uh, you know, we we give them a fair amount of funding, a lot of leverage uh, to encourage people to have that sense of belonging that, yeah, this is a place where I want to be and I want to be there for a long time. And this is a place that values me. Um, another comment I wanted to add on this topic was something that I tell tell uh, my teams uh, and, and sort of everybody across the company that, that I think, you know, we're not doing these just to meet some metrics and, and, and meet some numbers and KPIs. There is business advantages, you know, um, you know, I strongly believe that having the diversity, having a diverse uh, employee base, you know, helps us from a business perspective. The ideas we generate, the out-of-box thinking that happens, it's a true competitive advantage for any company to have uh, that diversity and not just a metric that we try to meet for sort of being good corporate citizens. So, so you know, that's just one last thing I wanted to leave as a last note that uh, I think this can be a, a true differentiator for companies that really focus on uh, the diversity and equity, inclusiveness and belongingness uh, across their employee base. Yeah, Roger, uh, back to you. Yeah, just building on that, Harish, you're absolutely right. There's there's data, right? Isn't uh, Harvard Business Review? There are studies that show, you know, the true business benefit, you know, the impact to the, exactly what you said, right? The diversity of ideas 
uh, you know, that a more diverse team brings, uh, you know, from for TripAdvisor, given you know, the world, everybody should travel. We believe very firmly, right, that everybody should have the opportunity to travel. And so everybody, every type of person should have an opportunity to uh, influence how we help make that happen to people or for people. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably a, a good place to leave the discussion for today. Um, but before we finish the podcast. I'm keen to go around the room and get some key takeaways from you guys from the conversation that we had today. So Joy Deep, do you want to let us know what your key takeaways would be from the podcast today? Sure. So the first thing is that the first realization is that uh, the, cha- the, cha- the challenges are common. I think we all face similar issues with hiring and retention and and to create a culture of, of diversity and, and inclusion. So um, it feels good uh, to realize that I'm not alone, right? So, so that so that's the first thing, the, the realization. The second thing is that um, you know some of the uh, mechanisms or actions I think we are taking across the board, even without knowing, is quite common. Like you know the interview best practices, the retention on compensation focus and stuff like that. So I think those those are common. Um, but definitely this was a good learning. Uh, kind of an experience where, you know, this panel itself is quite diverse. Um, all the four verticals are kind of not same. So, um, you know, we learn from whatever Hayadish is doing or Dan is doing or Roger, you are trying to um, And hopefully, you know, I will implement some of the things which I'm not doing that you guys are doing in my organization. So very helpful. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to get that external validation at times, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Cool. Thanks, uh, Joydi. Moving on to Dan. Yeah. Um, I, I, one thing that uh, kind of popped out to me throughout this conversation um, is that uh, in order to attract and, and retain top talent, it really um, it, it really comes down to investment um, in the employees that you have. Um, so investment, especially managers, um, and uh, with education, um, and uh, you know whether it's uh, um, whether it's uh, EIB education about um, diversity and inclusion or um, interview, you know, we talked about interviewing skills, um, uh, process and, and how to make a candidate feel welcome and, and included and, um, and excited about a role or um, the relationship between managers and, and engineers being super important. Like all of these things are, uh, you know, ways we level up our existing managers and leaders um, to be better managers and leaders. And, and that's really, uh, that it really just starts from within and that's how you're going to end up um, with top talent and, uh, and and maintain that top talent. Perfect, thanks, Dan. Um, moving on to Harish, what would be your key takeaways from today? So Chris, I'm, uh, I'm really delighted to see where collectively we as an industry uh, have, have moved to and, and shifted our focus. Um, I can give you some sort of anecdotes from my from my past. I started most of my career uh, initially was with investment banks uh, in New York. And culturally, we're in such a different place today, um, be it around the Boston tech market or in tech market in general or the tech industry in general. And I love where we have evolved to with focus on people, focus on culture, focus on you know diversity and inclusiveness. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is I think we've we've moved in the positive direction. Um, over the last few years. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done um, to get there, but I think I, I love the direction overall as an industry we're headed uh, and, and sort of the laser focus that we have on, on people and doing the right things. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And then finally, on to yourself, Roger. Uh, 
Yeah, so I, I've had some similar reactions to to things that uh, Jadeep and Dan and Harish have said. And honestly, like my, my my first takeaway is that clearly Boston is an awesome place to work as a software engineer. Um, so uh, more people should move to this area and work for us. Uh, uh, but uh, to be a bit more serious, uh, I think that um, having this conversation, seeing how you know, leaders at other organizations in the area are thinking very similarly to the way we think about uh, our uh, relationship with our engineers, you know, at TripAdvisor uh, is, um, it's great to see that we are all, we're at a point, as Harish said, right, that our industry has evolved. Uh, we're at a place where just being honest, being open, being vulnerable and focusing on relationships, it really is a superpower, right? It is how we um, create an environment is how we uh, of success that uh, is how we create a foundation that gives people the ability to launch themselves and take us with them and i'm pretty excited about that brilliant great positivity to finish the podcast with roger thank you very much so thanks for your time guys this has been the evolution exchange usa podcast i'd like to take the opportunity to thank my guests again for today so thank you very much to dan harish roger and joy deep it's been great to hear your insights and have you on the podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.